Welcome in, guys, to a very packed, jam-packed episode of the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, and we have so much to talk about. Started early in the morning, and uh, listen, I couldn't even get my other podcast from the night before, where a lot of things were trickling out, such as the overnight settlement of three of the four remaining cases with Deshaun Watson civil suits. Uh, That tweet came at like 1 a.m. Couldn't really figure out the timing of that, why that was done in that manner, but nonetheless... That happened. It just—it's all happened quickly, right? Right. What's the phrase? It's very, very slowly, and then all at once. And that's all at once. It seems to be in the scenario that we're in. There's so much to discuss, and I want to put a caveat on this podcast as we start it that this is the only podcast I really want to deal with it. Much like everybody in the in the world of the NFL, the world of, uh, I guess, the whole world of Deshaun Watson, and I'm not just talking about Deshaun and his team and his people and his teammates. I'm talking the people that have accused him and all everybody needs to like, there's just only so far we can go with this. Just talking about it every day. It's not doing anybody any good. We're going to talk about what was ruled today from Sue Robinson. We're going to talk about the decision that was made on the suspension recommendation. And then we're just going to be done with it after today. Much like I, I had a, our guest here in just a moment, I'll bring in Jordan Zermon to talk about the closure of Baker Mayfield. I'm really trying to not talk about Mayfield much anymore because it's just over. It's just over and everybody moves on with their lives. I think that's what we're going to try to do here. Talk about it, get our feelings out there on it, and everybody's entitled to their own opinion on it. You probably didn't move off of your priors today, uh, and that's okay, whatever. you know, No wrong way to go about this thing as long as you handle the opinions of other people with uh, fragility because I do think that matters, that you care, at least listen to care about how other people feel instead of just being brash and abrasive that they don't agree with how you feel about it. Everybody's entitled to their way to feel about this. So again, we're going to talk about it, put a bow on it and move on after today. And a little bit at the end of this podcast, we're probably just going to talk about what this looks like for the Browns 2022 season, because at the end, again, I hate the cliche, but the end of the day, I cover football and that's the fun part for me. That's the fun part. I get to cover football, talk about football, preview football, analyze football. That's fun. This not fun, not fun at all. Have to do it because it's the team you care about and it's the most important player on the team you care about and I care about, but I really don't want to spend a ton of time doing this. So I want to try to as bad as it might seem from the peripheral angle, it's just it's it's a turn the page situation. Not that there's not empathy, sympathy, and everything for those who are involved in this situation, but my uh, you know commitment to all of it is is not going to change the outcome here. That what has happened has happened. Everybody, hopefully, from this moment forward, can find some solace in moving on because there is no other route to go other than move on. There is a decision still looming which we'll talk about from the NFL side, but otherwise it was a day to sort of get your feelings out about it and move on. I'm excited to bring on Jordan Zern because I think Jordan, as I say, every time he's on this show brings great perspective and, and he sees both sides of arguments and opinions. And I think that's important to, to have people on that can see where others are coming from. So Jordan, happy to have you on, man. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. It's um, yeah, it's a, it's a weird day. I think there is some, I think overall, just relief, not relief, that's not the right word, but I'm just so tired of waiting for the ruling to come out. And I, because it just felt like this sort of holding pattern where we're having the same discussions over and over again. And so it is, yeah, relief's not the right word, but it is, it is good to finally be able to at least know, you know, what the ruling says, what the suspension is and, and all of that stuff and, and take a bit of a step forward there. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's obviously you know there's there's tough conversations that I that I do think need to be had and continue to be had about the, the entire situation and I know you and I will kind of touch on some of those things today but um, but yeah man appreciate you having me to to talk about something that um, yeah like you said is not um, is not the part of watching sports that we uh, enjoy <laughs> or want to be a part of but it is unfortunately a uh, a reality that is everywhere. Um, yeah. And, and happening all the time. And it's, uh, it's something you have to address and deal with. So happy to be here. Yeah. I'd be remiss if we didn't go over it just because it's so important. I think again, much like the scenario in is in and of itself, if this was a fifth string corner or a uh, long snap, like the, there wouldn't be this because the person's not important. They'd be moved on from and, and they'd be buried, but this is different and it's big and it's in the forefront and we have to hash it out to an extent. I think people far smarter than us, I've had discussions on this, whose opinions I want to include in this, 
me being a guy now involved in a family of two children, I don't have the time to read uh, to what was it? 215 pages of what Sue Robinson got. And then she gave a 16 page written uh, summarization of her conclusion. And it's like, whew, I just don't have the time for that. So I follow some pretty smart people on social. I think pretty smart people made these decisions in terms of the unbiased nature of the decision-making process, which Jordan, uh, before I read the conclusion, man, like I don't think there's a winner today. I, I, I really don't think that there's a winner. You know, people can, uh, there were some folks who were thumping their chest, told you it'd be six games. If you took that away from this, and I'm going to read the conclusion in just a minute, Jordan, but I want to give you kind of an open platform to start your, your, your feelings on this. If you took away from today, the Browns won, Deshaun Watson won. You didn't really read what Sue Robinson had to say because she buried Deshaun. She buried him. She she put out opinions about this person that were opinions that Deshaun was trying to hide from and uh, publicly have been out there from other people, but not anybody who has looked at the evidence and given their forthright opinion on this whole thing. She buried him and she buried the NFL. She buried the NFL's language, how they try to not only do the language of their CBA, but how they try to do outward language in terms of who they try to be especially starting her conclusion with the NFL, maybe a forward facing organization, but it's not necessarily a forward looking one. Like that's dropping the hammer. Like she went after both of them. Nobody's a winner in this. And I think that people were trying to act like there was a winner in this thing. Did you get that vibe too? Yeah, for sure. And I think that's been, I mean, I've, I've sort of had an issue with the coverage of all this to begin with, because it really turned from the moment that, you know, the Browns signed to Sean and the waiting period began with, with Sue Robinson and this whole process. I mean, there are people just sort of dedicated on Twitter to, you know, just how long is the suspension going to be? You know, when, how many games is he going to miss and playing out the schedule? And it just, it turned into something that was a game of how many games is Deshaun Watson going to get suspended? And it went so far the other direction. And you know, why we were having that discussion in the first place. So to for anyone, I agree with you, like one of the worst parts of this whole thing has been that sort of like, oh, great, it's only six games. Oh, like the Browns got off easy. This is great for us. Like that is, you know, that is not what this is about. Um, and I think to look at it like that is uh, is frankly disappointing, but it, it happened to a lot of people. Um, and I, you know, I sent a tweet out yesterday and I, I sort of, you know, you know, a little tongue in cheek, but like, what are people going to tweet about after this decision gets ruled out, gets, gets ruled out? Because there were just people who just dedicated themselves to trying to become the, how many games is Deshaun Watson going to get suspended people? And it, it just... I think it rubs me the wrong way. I think it rubs a lot of people the wrong way. So I think, you know, first off, that was maybe not surprising, but that was a really unfortunate piece of what this became is it, it becoming just another thing that we're, you know, gamifying as if it were part of sports in any way, which it, you know, it is not. And I a hundred percent agree with you in terms of quote unquote, anybody winning. No, nobody wins this. I don't, I don't think the Browns as an organization win this. I don't think just Sean, Though Deshaun is probably facing the least amount of consequences outside of the six games, and you can, I'm sure we'll touch on, you know, whether that feels like enough or or matches sort of what Sue wrote in her in her uh, brief that she put out today or her ruling. Um, and the same thing with the NFL, like you said, I mean, she goes after the NFL in a way that you don't see a lot, but is was pretty spot on. And I I just think the league and and both, you know, when they're trying to deal with sexual assault or, or domestic violence or any of these that sort of fall into this category of the, the player conduct and, um, and all of that, they just really struggle with, you know, how to discipline people and, and optics of it. And it is amazing to me that, you know, this has been going on for so long and they, they, you know, this new, this new independent arbiter that was collectively bargained in, in 2020. And this is the first time that they're using this, but like, it feels no different than like, you know, the Ray Rice stuff or, or other things where you just are like, what is the, this arbitrary sort of discipline? Like what is going on? And, you know, I'll be very curious to see if the NFL decides to appeal, but like they're sort of in a lose, lose situation because they, you know, they just bargained to have this be the process. And so for them to turn around you know, an appeal and be like, sorry, this didn't work. It's like, well, okay, but you guys just bargained this. So it, it just, the optics of it are so bad all over the place. So I, 
I agree with you that there are, you know, I don't, I, I hate to even use the word win in any of this because nobody, nobody wins. Um, this yeah. is just a pretty unfortunate situation for, for everybody involved. But, um, you know, that's, uh, that's what we're at. This is what we got. And, um, you know, here we are with six games for Deshaun. So. Yeah, let's read the conclusion. You you hit on the lose-lose for the NFL thing. I want people to remember that because I want to come back to it. But we're, we should hit on the conclusion, and then we'll talk about some smart people have said some things that matter going forward on, on, on socials, specifically Twitter. Okay, so her conclusion, I already mentioned the forward-facing organization, not necessarily a forward-looking one. She says, just as the NFL responded to violent conduct after a public outcry, so it seems the NFL is responding to yet another public outcry about Mr. Watson's conduct. At least in the former situation, the policy was changed and applied proactively. Here, the NFL is attempting to impose a dramatic shift in its culture without the benefit of fair notice to and consistency of consequence for those in the NFL subject to the policy. Looking at the record when compared to the relevant precedents and looking forward to how this disciplinary determination might be used in the future, I find the most appropriate landing place to be as follows. Mr. Watson is hereby suspended for six regular season games without pay. Although this is the most significant punishment ever imposed on an NFL player for allegations of nonviolent sexual conduct with a footnote 52 there that we do not have an answer for. We do not know what the 52 footnote is. I haven't been able to find it. Mr. Watson's pattern of conduct is more egregious than any before reviewed by the NFL. I would be interested to know what her basis for that is. Is it just the length of the 215 page uh, investigatory? I don't know if investigatory is the right word. There. I don't think that's a word, but uh, their investigation, like I just would be interested in that. Not saying she's wrong. I'm just interested in that. Recognizing, I'm sorry, uh, the, the, the 52 footnote, there's NFLPA brief at 15. There, there's a, there's some confusion on that. People don't really know what that means. Anyway, the next bullet point says, recognizing that the only discipline mentioned in the CBA is a fine or suspension, I nevertheless believe it appropriate for Mr. Watson to limit his massage therapy to club-directed sessions and club-approved massage therapists for the duration of his career and so impose this mandate to a, uh, sorry, mandate as a condition to his reinstatement. Mr. Watson is to have no adverse involvement with law enforcement and must commit any, and must not commit any additional violations of the policy. So, this is just the conclusion and there's and there's a lot to unpack here. Um, what I want to do before we do that is kind of tie in other things that Sue uh, decided on. So a good resource for this is guy's name is Drew Davenport is at Drew Davenport FF. So he does some fantasy football stuff, but he's been a criminal defense attorney for 21 years. He put out a really good thread on this. He said, the main question I keep getting asked is a version of the same thing. Won't Goodell simply give him more games on appeal? Goodell can do whatever he wants. And he says, no, not really. That narrative has not really got the legs. And entire. It has not been entirely accurate. The crux of the question on appeal, which again, the NFL has until Thursday at 9 a.m., 72 hours to appeal, is whether the punishment was appropriate with respect to the violations found. We're still feeling our way through this, but my understanding is that Goodell is still bound by the findings of fact from Robinson's decision. Okay. Here's what she found. We found that, as my guess, the burden of proof was correct. This is what Daniel Wallach said on this show as well. They use the standard of preponderance of the evidence, which is the civil burden, not criminal case, but civil burden. And the, the burden was on the NFL to prove it. The NFL argued that Watson had violated three provisions of the policy, the personal conduct policy. One was sexual assault. Two was genuine danger to safety and well-being of another. And three was undermining or putting at risk the integrity of the NFL. She found that he had violated those three provisions. Okay, so it's important to point out in the decision Robinson herself to find her role. And among those roles, she is responsible for issuing bindings, finding binding findings of fact. Right. So what gets interesting is the NFLPA was setting up the issue last night before the decision. They argue that this process in the CBA to give players due process, neither the players nor the NFLPA wants to accept an immediate appeal of the first decision. Whether the independent process is neutered, that deploy that that destroys the point. Sorry. They drew the line in the sand. Robinson found that Watson had violated the personal conduct policy on all three counts, and she listed reasons why she found that way. It would take too long to recount them, but here are some of the findings that are interesting. And we'll get into those. But what is interesting to me, okay, she found that he had the common behaviors that we've talked about for a year. These are the things that were called to attention, using Instagram, asking for privacy, asking for work on his glutes and groin, using his status as an NFL quarterback, using a small talent instead of a normal draping, 
all of those things that were like, are they true or not? She says she believes in a civil, in a burden of civil case. She said they were true. And that's why she found him guilty on three things, Jordan. That's important to understand is that those three things are essentially what the NFL could hold tight to an appeal, right? They, they could say that there's three violations of the personal conduct policy, and that's why we think we should go after and appeal it. We don't know whether they're going to appeal it. I'm not asking you to predict whether they're going to appeal this thing, but that to me is the legs for doing it. I also find the second legs for doing it when she says, I want to limit Mr. Watson to massage therapy to club-directed sessions and club-approved massage therapists for the duration of his career. So it's a little bit interesting. The question becomes, based on what you've been told here from Sue Robinson, which is, hey, if I were as if, if this were in civil court, I would believe that Mr. Watson did these things. I have enough evidence to believe them. And again, they only took four. One of the cases was thrown out. So the NFL only took four cases in front of her of the 25 accusers. So she's saying that the burden of proof was met that Watson did these things. And I am so afraid of him recommitting these issues that I'm putting this mandate on him. He has to limit the massage therapy to club directed sessions and club approved massage therapists. That to me leads me to think that had she not been so annoyingly, I guess lack of a better word, pissed off about the language the NFL used in the CBA, Jordan, she was going to suspend him longer. She was going to suspend him longer. Like there was no doubt about that. But what she had was she had to follow the basic outline of what the NFL has done. Non-criminal charge cases that stand out. Ben Roethlisberger, six games. I believe it was pled down to four, but he got six games. Zeke Elliott, no criminal charges, six games. That seems to be what she thought she had to do based on the precedence that was set and the language that limited her. But to me, and tell me if I'm wrong, Jordan, Felt like she wanted to suspend him a long time. She was harsh. She she went after him, man. Yeah, I mean, that's what's so insane about this is what you just mentioned. Not only that she essentially said, like, yeah, the burden of proof was met that Deshaun Watson sexually assaulted, you know, four, four of these women. And it is an important point to remark that, that you just made, but want to reiterate that, you know, this was... They, I was I was actually listening to a great um, I was listening to uh, the athletic football show this morning where Robert Mays interviewed Jenny Brentis, who writes for The New York Times. And she has mm-hmm. um, she was the first one. She was with Sports Illustrated at the time, but she's been covering this since it, the allegations came out last year when he was still at Houston. Um, so um, she made the point that, you know, the NFL does not have subpoena power, so they could not compel these women to testify if, if these women didn't want to. So mm-hmm. they only had five that came forward. And then obviously there was one that sort of got thrown out for some technicalities in a, in a media report. And um, they just didn't feel it was like it was going to be appropriate for them to use her testimony. So they only ended up with four of the, again, 30, you know, 30 of the claims against him. So that is an important point is like, you know, it was voluntary and these, these, but you know, there's an understanding of, of women who just don't want to continue have this play out their lives play out like this in public. And, and so when you don't have subpoena power, you can't, you know, do anything except ask. So anyway, that point aside, but like you said, it is when you look at not only that he's guilty of sexual assault in the eyes of Sue Robinson, but then the kicker of, Hey, like you just mentioned, like you, you are not allowed to interact with any masseuse that is not club appointed or part of the team. And you take those two things together and then you look at six games and you're like, and I mean, I think that's been the biggest criticism today and a fair one is how does six games reflect what Sue found to be of Watson to be guilty of, or the NFL proved um, him to be guilty of because they really don't match up. But I think like, you're right. Like the, because of how the NFL has sort of mismanaged their player conduct policy and the six game baseline that they installed, um, especially for, for nonviolent offenders, which, you know, there is a very legitimate case to be made that simply because Deshaun didn't quote unquote force himself on any of these women, there is a, a violence in sort of the power that he held over these women and the things that he, just the the power dynamic there to say that sexual assault isn't inherently violent is, is an argument that I think is is worth having. But regardless of that, um, yeah, she was sort of left with like this is what 
you guys outlined and there, you know, she mentions in her, in her report, how undefined these things are from the NFL, let, from sexual me, assault yeah. to, let me, let me share yeah, this with you. So he said, Drew went back and said, second, she specifically pointed out that in Watson's statements about the allegation, she found his categorical denials not credible. He denied it. In the NFL investigation, he flat out denied any wrongdoing. He said, it's difficult to, this is from Sue Robinson's writing, it's difficult to give weight to a complete denial when weighted against the credible testimony of the investigators. She juxtaposed those two against each other by saying that the totality of the evidence pointed to what actually happened, and it is more than probable, is more probable than not that he made inappropriate sexual contact with these women. So if he violated all three clauses and Robinson thinks he did what the NFL said he did, why only six games? And this is to your point, Jordan. This is where the decision gets interesting. Robinson chose to go to prior NFL punishment decisions for her own decision. Said, I'm, And this is what Drew said. I'm surprised by this because I thought in this new process would set a new standard, but she did this for a specific reason. She wanted to make a statement that sets precedence for these things going forward. That statement is this. The NFL cannot unilaterally change their punishment decisions without giving proper notice to those affected. She found that the NFL had not handled this properly. So their jump to request, sorry, so their request to jump up to a year ban was, in her eyes, unacceptable. Their request, the NFL side requesting a year ban. She found it unacceptable. This is one of those moments where her words do better than I can, Drew said. This is, again, Sue now. While it may be entirely appropriate to more severely discipline players for nonviolent sexual conduct, I do not believe it is appropriate to do so without notice of the extraordinary change this position portrays to the NFL and its players. But Robinson didn't stop there. She cited the Ray Rice case for further to take a shot across the NFL's bow. Uh, sorry, bow. She said that the only reason the NFL acted on that case was because of the public outcry. She further argued that this case is similar, that the NFL is trying to jump the suspension up as yet another reaction to public outcry. So that's interesting. Yeah, she's, and, I, she's, and I think go ahead. and she's 100 percent right. You know, like she she is accurate in that. Um, but I, you know, it, it puts it just becomes a very tough spot because, like you said, like, Deshaun should probably be suspended for more than six games, but because of, you know, everything you just mentioned and the precedent that they have set, um, she feels like it, there is an unfairness to all of a sudden being like, yeah, you're suspended indefinitely uh, without anything really language wise or precedent wise to back it up. So I agree with you with the overall point that the language is strong that she uses and, from everything that she says Watson did, which is, you know, sexually assaulted these, these four massage therapists that are in, that they heard testimony from, um, you know, six games feels like she was bound by some of these things that she believes. And had she not been, and had there been a different precedent set that we, we may not have seen Deshaun Watson at all this year. Um, and again, like you said, the NFL can still appeal by Thursday, but you know, as it sits right now, it's it's six games, and and it's very it it doesn't quite match what is written um, in in her report today and her ruling. So I'll ask you this question, right? You said earlier it was a lose lose for the NFL. I think it could be a win win because I think this is just me. The NFL, what did they do? This is just again, you can you can tell me, Jake, you're out in left field picking dandelions, man. But but like, the NFL was very public in this, we want a one-year suspension to the point that it, it got to reported that Sue Robinson was ticked off about this, how public the NFL was being. So the NFL has smart people. I would have to imagine they have smart people that are looking at their language in a similar mold to Sue Robinson and trying to come up with like, what is she going to say, right? So the NFL says, hey, we'll get out in front of this publicly. Say we want to give them a year, right? Then if that works out, great. We look like we were doing the right thing. We were imposing the right ban. We were doing all the right things. If it doesn't, then it falls on this collectively bargained federal judge and we throw our hands up in the air. So to me, it kind of feels like a win-win for the NFL where they can they can be public and say we wanted a year. And I think had the NFL's language not been so uh, full of fallacy, um, that the, the Sue Robinson might have gone there. Can't say that with you know, definitively, but it felt like from her language and how she picked apart Deshaun about his lack of remorse, about his failure to report the first suit in time. Like there's a lot of things that she went after him about. Like, I guess what I feel like is the NFL's play all along was, and again, I don't want to get too tinfoil hat here, but I feel like the NFL 
knows that their product is better. If Deshaun Watson is playing for a marquee franchise, we wanted a year. Ah, didn't get it. We just collectively bargained this whole thing. We did what we could. And then ultimately it's going to help TV ratings. When this guy plays, people are going to watch. People are going to be interested. I, I just feel like the NFL, that's where it comes to my next question to you, Jordan is like, do you think the NFL really cares enough here to appeal this thing? Because the out is very easy. The out is we just collectively yeah. bargain this process and we can't do, we can't upend it in the first case. Right. So that's where it's yeah. a little interesting. No, I no, that's a great point. And honestly, I would say, and I don't even think this is tinfoil hatty because I think the NFL has proved for a very long time that especially when it comes to violence against women, uh, they don't, they don't really care. I mean, I find it very hard to think to me, Jake, the, very public leaking of the NFL wanting a year or indefinite suspension was a yeah. complete PR play to me. Like that to me was sure. Did, did were there people within the NFL office that maybe legitimately wanted that? Sure. Uh, but from the top down, when they tried that hard to make that part of it public, that to me, and other people have stated this was the NFL saying, we're probably not going to get a year, but why don't we put out that we want a year? So people don't think we're, not taking this seriously, which then makes it look worse. So I, you know, I don't, the, the thinking there to me is somewhat hilarious. Um, so I never really, from the start, believe they ever really cared about, you know, suspending Deshaun for a year or, or any of that. This is either, like you said, they got the year and they feel like they made an example of somebody with this new collective bargaining, you know, agreement and this new policy that they have in place. And if not, then yeah. Oh, but we, you know, you saw all those leaks about how we wanted a year and we couldn't get it. So no, I, I'm right there with you. I don't think they care. Um, I think they will be, as many companies are in, in this world, They the dollar is the bottom line. And, and Deshaun Watson on the field playing good football for a team that is probably you know going to be in the playoffs or is going to be on primetime television is a greater val- is of greater value for them than trying to be, um, you know, have some moral authority here. Um, so... I, that's very much where I'm at with that. I guess my only pushback, Jake, would be, you know, if they, and I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, so it's like, if they do appeal, they are essentially saying that what they just collectively bargained, this process with this individual, you know, supposedly this non-biased arbiter, um, who in this case is Sue Robinson, they're basically saying the first time that we use this, this brand new thing with the personal conduct policy, because they got so much criticism in the past for how Roger Goodell was just playing God. Uh, they're basically saying, hey, this didn't actually work at all. So we're immediately changing this um, and we're going to let, you know, Goodell decide or, or somebody, you know, that he appoints decide. And that to me is... I do think they care about PR. Like they're not good at it, but I think they care about it. And because they care about it, I think that would not be a great look for them to immediately the first time they do this say, oh, we don't agree with it. So we're appealing it and we're throwing this out the window. That would be my only pushback in terms of a quote unquote lose lose is that they're essentially admitting what they just collectively bargained and then go through this whole process. And now they don't like the outcome. So they're just going to do what they've always done which I don't think is a great look for them. So if there was something holding them back, Jake, I think it's that. I think Deshaun, well said, by the way, I think Deshaun might've just been the right time. I hate, I hate to say it that way, but he might've been the example case that changes the NFL's literature on a lot of things. And the NFL gets entirely more buttoned up on this process, but he might be the beneficiary of the right time, right place. It's weird. Yeah. As that and I, sounds, given what's happened, I was going to say too, you know, like now this sets, but now this, you know, it just, again, it puts the NFL in a continually bad spot because let's say they don't appeal and he gets six games. Like what happens the next time somebody violates the personal conduct policy in a similar way? Do they I guess just think, Sue Oh, it'll saying, only be six games. Yeah. I guess what Sue is saying that you have to give people a, a right. clear notification of the change in the policy and if they do that, I think, yes, they, they would, there would be precedence for that. Like anything that happens in this country, something happens, maybe there's a loophole in language and somebody finds a loophole and then it gets closed and then all the cases moving forward. It, yeah, just that's how it would go. That'd be my guess. Uh, and a complete yep. idiot sitting in front of a microphone, but like that, 
to me is like where I think Deshaun's case here could be a huge part of what gets rewritten in the personal conduct policy to button this stuff up. That's why I think, yeah, I think I just have a hard time seeing like you do the NFL just over. They could, they could be looking at the public outcry right now and saying, we can't, we just can't recover from this unless we do it totally in the realm of possibility. But if they're being smart about the the ramifications of this in terms of the players and what they collectively bargained and the good faith and all of it, it's not smart to do it. It's just, I think they have to, and, for lack of a better phrase, take the L, right? I hate that phrase, but take the L. Yep. They need to learn from it and button themselves up so that they don't put themselves in this situation again. Yep. And, you know, as we've heard before, Deshaun and his his team and his attorney have threatened to sue the NFL if they appeal. So is yeah. that something that the NFL wants to continue? Do they want to continually have this in the headlines? My guess is no. So I think there are a lot of factors in why they wouldn't appeal. Um, I will be very interested to see if they do, but I just, I think we're in agreement here. It just, there's a lot of negatives <laughs> to appealing um, that may outweigh any benefit. Um, and so I would be, I would be very surprised if this, gets appealed and um, goes anything longer than six games. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I could see them, like it's not a 0%, what do we, it's not a zero chance here that they just say, F it, wad up the paper, throw it in the trash and say, we're appealing it. I don't care the ramifications. I'm not letting this guy get away with this could see it, but I just lean heavier on the side of enough people sitting in a room are going to guide them down the path of this is not smart. And here's 15 reasons why this is not smart. Right. So, um, yeah, that's unfortunately, and, and, and again, you have to remember, it's not like moving forward, uh, that, that, that Deshaun doesn't help the NFL make money. You know, it's not like Deshaun is going to be, uh, hurting, actively hurting the, I mean, he could do something stupid again, but at that point he'd be in a lot of trouble and be out of the elite, out of the league, but like he's going to make the money. Right. So it's like the NFL is not being, they're not being killed by this in terms of their, their bottom line. Like it's the NFL is going to be just fine. They just need to learn from it and move on. That's why I just have a hard time doing I, I mean, I can see them appealing, but it's just, it just doesn't make a ton of sense. If you look at it from all angles for them to appeal it, they just need to learn from it. That's, that's kind of where I lean, but I want to, I want to switch to Deshaun a, a bit more here. Um, you know, uh, from the sense of like this person, where, where does he go? Right. Like the, the, the this has happened. It's done. It's, it's, it's settled. We, I mean, there's still a chance this appeal could happen in a couple of days and it gets dragged into federal court. And then God knows when it gets decided, maybe next off season. I don't know. It could get drawn out forever. Like deflate gate was, but um, we're presuming at this time at nine 26 Eastern on a, on a, on a Monday night, that this is the definitive six game suspension is where do you go from here? What does Deshaun do? He's what? 26, 27. He's young. Still. He imagine he has 10 years left in the NFL. The statement here from, from a couple things I want to throw at you, Jordan, and get your reaction to. 
the Jimmy and D Haslam as tone deaf as they can possibly be put out a statement throughout the process. Deshaun and his representatives have abided by the newly created and agreed upon process for the NFLPA and NFL to defer to the objective judge, Sue L Robinson to comprehensively review all information to make a fair decision. We respect judge Robinson's decision. And at the same time, empathize and understand that this may have been, uh, there may have been many individuals triggered throughout this process. Terrible word choice. And whoever the PR person here is using the word triggered, like cannot believe they did that. <laughs> We know Deshaun is remorseful that this situation has caused uh, much heartache to many and will continue to work. And I pause there because I just want to make sure I get the wording right. We know Deshaun is remorseful that this, situ- that this situation has caused much heartache to many and he will continue the work needed to show who he is on and off the field and will continue to support him. So Deshaun is remorseful. I, I think he has said he has not outwardly said sorry to anybody other than the, 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 I think when he not, not the first time Jordan, he got in front of the press, but when he did that sort of impromptu media after an OTA or mini camp, I think it was a mini camp. Yeah. He said, I'm sorry for the stress and the burden and all of that, that this is put on people. And I feel like yeah. this, he, is what Jake, he basically did the, I'm sorry if you got upset type of apology. Yeah, that exactly. isn't really an apology. Yeah. That's what he did. Yeah, he said, we know Deshaun is remorseful that this situation has caused much heartache to many. So anyway, there's still one active civil case. So until that civil case is buttoned up and closed up and however that goes about happening, whether this person tries to really take him to trial or whatever, I don't think we're going to see Deshaun still say anything. And I don't know that we're going to get D and Jimmy to say anything. So my point is there's this remorseful side. So my brain gets to thinking, move on. You know, you, 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 you've had these things happen to you in life. And this is just my general life theory. Things have happened to you, good or bad. They've happened. They cannot be changed. They cannot be altered. What do you do going forward? So Deshaun in his original press conference mentioned, and I look forward to this. And I, I think you and I talked about it. Could be wrong. Feels like you and I have had many of these important banters back and forth, but he said, I look forward to the day when this is all behind me and I can open up about what really happened. So he has been denying it from the beginning. He has been not just denying it in front of the media. He's been denying it in front of judge Robinson, as we heard. And it's, I have not seen much remorse yet. He settled. And again, I understand settling is not an admission of guilt. It isn't. It is, it is just a way to put closure to all of it. I, I'm told that doesn't miss me. I guess my question is this, if Deshaun in perpetuity moving forward, Jordan is, I didn't do anything wrong. I, I, I didn't do anything wrong. This is me. This is who I am. I didn't do anything wrong. Is that, is that just going to be what it is? Like, I don't even know how to react to that, I guess. Like, I'm just saying, like, do you think he's going to go that route or do you think he's going to actually show remorse, talk about things he handled incorrectly how he could have altered. Cause again, I go back to what Kobe said back in the Colorado situation all those years ago, where he said, I see where this could have been interpreted differently by the, by the female from what I was thinking. And I'm not saying Kobe handled that situation well at all, but all I'm saying is at least he showed that, that, that like I, maybe I misread it. I haven't got any of that from Deshaun. Do you think that comes? Like, do you think he, he gets there and does that? Or do you think he just status quos this thing stone cold and just, ignores it the rest of his playing career yeah i at this moment don't see him um sort of feeling regret or a sorriness for any of this i mean he's been so adamant that's what he said in that really awkward uncomfortable first press conference when he got introduced where somebody asked him if he had any regrets and he said no and then that's when he later said uh, i'm sorry for saying that and i you know doing that that whole apology non-apology thing um i think it's it's tough for me, Jake, with him because there was an established sort of pattern of behavior that went on for such a long time that I think the only reason we're here now is because one of that first woman came forward. And, um, you know, there were massage therapists that just stopped working with him, like never gave him a massage again because of what he did. Um, and so you would think that at some point, he if he was truly had any remorse or truly like understood what was going on um that would have been uh, a trigger for that would be multiple 
of these women that, you know, are accusing him of sexual assault were so uncomfortable after one experience with him that they literally said, I, I can't work with you anymore. And, and that should have raised some flags for him in literally any way, but it clearly did not. He, he clearly like continued to find anyone, you know, professional or not um, to continue this process. So for me, it's really hard, even if like he all of a sudden said, oh, I, I see where this maybe made somebody uncomfortable and I was in the wrong. I, I think the only reason he would say that now is because it benefits him from a PR standpoint. And I don't know if I'll ever fully believe it because he had a chance to realize what he was doing was um, both, you know, the definition of sexual assault or at the very least, um, you know, he was doing things that were making uh, masseuses uncomfortable and he should have changed his behavior and he didn't um, for months. And to, so, and to be fair, I, Kobe's, I, Kobe's admission was also after the, 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 yes. uh, I think the, Yes. Accuser to back out so, of so it's not like I'm giving him a pedestal yep. there, but that was at least said. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, is he going to right. do you think he's going to do those things? And I just I, so I, I don't seen any evidence. I don't think he is. No, I don't think he is. And I, you know, Jake, the world that we are in and people, I mean, you saw the videos of the fans cheering for him at training camp today. People are just don't care. And he'll be back on the field if this six game thing holds up and they'll talk about it for a couple of weeks. And then just like everything else in sports, it just fades away. And especially if he starts winning, it just, this is, you know, I think you already saw it at training camp today and the reaction that he got, I heard somebody yell in a video, uh, we're behind you, Deshaun, you know, like that's where we're at. This was the day, this was uh, hours after this came out where, you know, they basically said we're suspending him because he committed sexual assault. So, um, I just, it, there's not going to be a lot of incentive for him to, to say, I'm sorry, you know, like what, what reason would he have if he truly in his mind thinks he didn't do anything wrong, which is part of the, you know, which is part of the problem. Um, but what incentive does he have to do it? If it's only a six game suspension, if he's, if he's losing 350 K of the largest guaranteed contract in NFL history, like what what's the incentive for him to to apologize or to feel and express regret i just you know if he's already been like i didn't do anything wrong and my reputation is trying to be ruined like that to me is the the bigger thing here where he's facing so little consequence for what he did uh, six games is nothing compared to what it could be and he's barely losing any money so i i just don't see it unless you know something drastic happens but um Right now, yeah, I I wouldn't hold my breath for any of that. Yeah, that's kind of where we close. You know, I'm not going to look forward. I'll do that later in the week about what the schedule shift dynamic is, all that stuff. But for today, I kind of want to focus on on. Um, I know I maybe referenced doing this in this episode, but as I think about it, it's, it's best to just kind of close the book on this now. But where do we go from here? Like, I guess my question is, uh, on top of the answer you just gave, do you think? Is there anything he can do to, you know, because listen, bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people and all of that. I get it. I get it all. But you have to eventually say, you know, at this point, I'm just going to do this and, and, and move on. And like, is there anything he can do? Is there, is there anything that Deshaun Watson can do to win back some people who have thought the worst of him here? Or do you think it's just going to be, the people who love Browns football are going to love them no matter what. And the people who draw the line in the sand are going to be the people who draw the line in the sand. Do you see a path to rectifying some of this from his angle or has he not given us any indication he's going to give that type of stuff to, because again, I do think I truly do Jordan. I think if he came out and said, I have an addiction to this stuff, I have messed up. I put myself in situations where I put people around me uncomfortable I realize that now I made a terrible mistake. Here's here's how I want to move forward and things I want to do for the, the community of Cleveland to make it right. Like if he did that, I really do think it would get met with some backlash from some people who are unwilling. But I do think people would come back around to giving him a chance. Every almost everybody in this world is given a second chance. They just are like people are by nature forgiving people. And I think that that's a great thing. 99.9% of the time. So like, I guess what I'm saying is, do you think there's a path to healing for some of the people who have moved by virtue of Deshaun doing some of those things? 
or do you, I, it's, I guess, kind of similar to the last question, or do you just think he'll just play football and that's kind of all he'll ever do in Cleveland? Yeah, I mean, I think there are ways for him to make an effort to show that he, I mean, one, yeah, I think there has to be, because anything he can do, there's going to have to be some admission of, I did something wrong, you know? So that's like the first step. Because to me, it's like, I want to hear that he is actively going to therapy or counseling because of what, you know, of what he did. And he is, he's actively working on it. I want to hear that he um, is getting involved with, you know, groups that work with um, victim of sex, victims of sexual assault or victims of sort of sexual violence in any way, you know, those type of things. But I think the only way he would ever do any of that stuff would be him feeling like he did something wrong to begin with. Um, and until we get to that point, I don't know. But those are things that he could do um, that would at least show some sort of, you know, hey, I I have an issue. I, you know, like you said, I, ha- I have an addiction to this and I am actively working on it. I know I hurt people. I'm going to try and understand what I did and how that affects the victims of sexual violence. You know, like any of that stuff would be a, a start to feeling like, you know, he is making, trying to do some good in light of a very, very bad situation and trying to change as a person. But I, again, you know, until he is ready to say anything of the sort of, you know, I, I did something wrong, like those things aren't going to come. So that, that's what has to come first, but there is a path for that, Jake. I think there is a door for that. I just would be surprised if, if he sort of opens it and, and does that. I think the thing for me, I keep going back to, and uh, again, I don't cast stones at anybody. I, I get that. I am uh, very open to forgiving people. And uh, obviously, um, I, I, th- I think I've made that pretty clear over my time and not judging Deshaun uh, for anything. Um, but like he made the statement, when this is all over, I look forward to opening up about it, telling you more about it. And I hope he holds himself mm-hmm. accountable to that statement because. I do think people, if he wants people to know that his character is not what Sue Robinson deemed guilty, I mean, it's what she did, right, Joy? I mean, she deemed him guilty of these yeah. things. Um, if if he wants people to believe that, he needs to open up and tell people why his personality is different, what, what went wrong in those moments, how he's learned from them, what he's going to do moving forward. Uh, or again, if he's going to open up and tell people us how this is how in his opinion he's innocent like i just think that that conversation needs to happen it's not gonna happen this year it maybe happens next off season in a an article or something i don't know where it comes to to light but like it's it's something he said nobody forced that out of him so i hope he sticks to that and i think that would be a really wise thing for him to do to stick to that because listen he's gonna go to training camp and they're gonna love him he's gonna go to the first energy stadium and they're gonna love him and like I'm not going to judge Browns fans for this. And I thought Andre not had a great quote on this today. Like football is fantasy life. It just is. It's a, it's a means for escapism for people from their daily grind, their daily life to care about football, to care about a team, to care about something air quotes here, bigger than themselves. Like I'm not going to judge somebody because they're supportive of Deshaun Watson. I'm not going to judge somebody uh, for, for, for the opposite end, which is I'm never coming back to watching the Browns. Like that's, that's your choice, man. That's how you feel about it. And I'm not saying that your person, if you support Watson, that you support some of the things he did because you might just love the Cleveland Browns and you don't want to give that up, which is not a terrible thing. It doesn't make you a bad person to not want to give up the team that you've cared about for maybe decades of your life. So I get that. I also am not going to sit here and bash somebody for being like, oh, you're out. Really? This is like, yeah, it, it impacts people differently. And and, and the, the level of tolerance for one person is different than the next. But as it pertains to Deshaun, he needs to understand that there are a lot of people who don't show up to Berea for training camp and don't go to First Energy Stadium who could maybe be swayed back if you say the right things, do the right things moving forward. And I really hope he has somebody in his ear that tells him that there is a redemption here for you, man. You can do this but you have to have some self-reflection and self-understanding about the things. Where did it go sideways? It's over now. We can't change the decisions that get made in civil court or criminal um, grand juries. It's over. How do you move forward? What are you going to do to move forward to show people that this is not who I am? Because it is a large amount of people who believe that is who you are. 
And that's where I'm interested to see how he responds to that, man. So I'll open to you before we go. Any closing thoughts or, uh, you know, or where you're at? Yeah. With anything, Jordan, just, just shut sh- 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 yeah. us down. No, I, uh, I appreciate it. I, I think that, you know, I've worked in sports my whole life. And I, I think as I've gotten older, um, I'm, I'm no longer naive to what a lot of sports can be and the ugly side of sports and that, you know, winning and making money are, are the two most important things to many of these owners and many of these franchises. Um, and I, I am no longer somebody that is, you know, shocked when, when things happen, I think. And it, and it's tough with, like you said, with the Browns, because I, I'm never going to, I could never in my life root for another team. Uh, I tweeted this today. The Browns are ingrained in me. They're a part of my life. They're a part of growing up with my dad, watching football. You know, they're a part of relationships. They're a part of, um, obviously I, I have, you know, worked in sports and, and sacrificed some things to continue to try and work in sports. And, um, you know, as you know, Jake, it is, you know, it's not the easiest industry to work in. And, and so you, you know, when you're passionate about something, it's a huge part of my life. Um, I think what's tough for me is that I, I think both Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry, I had this sort of idea of them, um, as guys that were pretty, you know, I don't know, not, I don't want to say different, um, but guys that, especially Andrew Barry, guys that struck me as really like upstanding, good dudes, um, came in and sort of. Again, like I said, I'm not naive to signing players with with trouble histories. Obviously, they already had I already had people in my mentions. What about Kareem Hunt and all this stuff? You know, there is a there's a large difference to me between you know what Kareem Hunt did in one incident and um, what Deshaun Watson did over a series of months. That's neither here nor there. But obviously, like I'm not you know the spell of oh sports it's, it's amazing like it's all pure and good. You know, they obviously Kareem Hunt's on a team. There's other things, but. I think when it came to Deshaun, I just, I think that sort of image was shattered a little bit for me, um, especially with Andrew Barry. And now I know that, you know, I have every belief that the Haslam's were heavily involved in this. Um, I, I have every belief that Andrew Barry was, I think, as we've discussed, wanted to move on from Baker Mayfield. Like Baker Mayfield was not going to be the quarterback of this football team. I just didn't think not only that they would go after Deshaun Watson, but they would go after him in the way they did with, with the fully guaranteed contract with, with everything with, you know, what Kevin Stefanski's comments today, which is being like, uh, you know, I believe Deshaun is going to be a good person on and off the field and all these cliches. And this, frankly, the BS that you hear anytime this sort of thing happens. I just never really felt like Barry and Stefanski were those people. And I think that has just shocked me a little bit. Um, especially again with Andrew Barry, that this would be something that they would sort of get behind and sign off on and, um, and sort of defend in these ways. And again, I know there are other power dynamics at play. And, and if we know one thing about the Haslam's it's that they are involved, um, they are heavily involved, uh, even though, you know, they may not be as, as front facing as they once were in, in the darkest days. I, I know they're still heavily involved there. So um, I think it's just, that part is the toughest for me, Jake, is just there was a little bit of a shine that I had on, on Stefanski and Barry. Like I really, really enjoyed them and I was excited about, you know, them in the future. And, and I, I think a little bit of that has faded away for me with this whole situation. Um, but again, it's, you know, uh, the Browns are an institution, um, despite how that may shock some people because of how bad that if you're not from Cleveland and you, you didn't grow up with the Browns, that may come as a shock to you. Um, but it is, it, tr- it truly is an institution and I am, I am not going to be somebody who would ever, you know, I, I love Nick Chubb. I love Miles Garrett. I love Donovan Peoples-Jones. There's a lot of people on the team that I want to root for. And I've, you know, have sort of connections with because you, you, you watch them and you watch them sort of grow in the organization after they were drafted and all that. So it, they just, uh, to finish it off, I guess, so I'd stop rambling on this, but I think like, you know, I put it at the end of my tweet, it is, we didn't have a say in this. Browns fans didn't have a say in, in signing Sean Watson. And so it's not fair to us to all of a sudden have to become these moral authorities on it to all of a sudden take a stand and say, oh, I'm done rooting. Like, that's not fair to us. That's not a choice we should have to make. The organization made that choice for us. And it's one that I think is still a little to me, especially after today, just still feels um, doesn't feel great. And I think that's part of me with the guys that are in this front office that I was surprised 
a little bit by, but again, Jake, like it is, it, it's winning and it's money above all else. And I think that's made clear every day in sports. And it's just something that you have to accept. And it's, it's part of the deal you make when you are a sports fan. Um, and that's sort of, that's a long winded way of, of my closing thoughts to get those out. But that's kind of where I'm at after today and all of this. I had that exact conversation with somebody earlier about Kevin and Andrew. And I just would really like to know if you could get an hour of truth from those guys, the truth would never leave the room you're talking in. That would be, I just, I'm with you. The decision, the way that we thought of those guys. And I'm not, I'm not here to bury the character of Kevin and Andrew. And I know you're not either. Like I'm not. Yeah, I, I just, no, exactly. It just, yep. it just was, unex- it just was a, a different course than I expected. And um, I just would like to know a, why they went the course they went and felt comfortable with it. Or if B, it was get with it or get off the train type of thing, because uh, those things are made, those deals, those deep, deep decision, franchise altering decisions are made in dark rooms with few people there. It's, it's Jimmy, it's Kevin and it's Andrew and it's Jimmy more important than anyone else. And I'm not trying to blame it all on Jimmy. I'm not saying that. I, I don't know whether Andrew or Kevin were leading the forefront or if, if Jimmy, as Jimmy said, player personnel was pushing this more than anyone. I don't know. I just, I'm with you that it doesn't, the like the one plus one doesn't equal two on that. So I, I, I could be wrong. They could not, like you said, you know, what, what is the phrase? The actions tell you everything. Stop trying to look beyond the yep. action. Like they, they tell you everything. And, and, and that could be the case here. I don't know. I don't know, but it is just, it was unexpected to me. And maybe we'll get that answer someday. Maybe we won't. Hell, maybe they win five Super Bowls and it never comes out. I, I don't I don't have any idea right now, but it is uh, a conversation that you 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 mentioning what you did there was unprovoked. You and I did very little planning for this episode. I had literally that exact conversation about Kevin and Andrew earlier today, and I've had it about 15 times with other people in the past three months. And yep. I don't have an answer for it, and um, I don't know if we will ever get one. So we've gone about an hour. This is a really tough subject. And uh, hopefully the NFL, for the sake of me just hoping the NFL doesn't appeal it, for the sake of it just being done. I just wanted to be done discussing it. Um, So I hope that's the case. If we're forced to talk about this on another podcast because the NFL appeals it, we'll do so because we're obligated to do that covering this football team. But that's a wrap. I'm not going to go into this any further. I'm not going to do anything crazy in, in terms of picking anything else apart. Uh, I, I will try to turn the page the next podcast this week of looking forward and talking about uh, the training camp that was today. And I'll try to, to give you some insights from that. And I'll try to give you some like a double episode in terms of, of content on the on the two training camps. Browns break into pads tomorrow. So that should be some fun clips and stuff like that. I think usually your first pad a day is a non-contact, air quotes, non-contact uh, padded day, but we know some thudding happens. So uh, I just want to care about football. I know Jordan does too. I know a lot of you do too. Let's let's uh, let's move past the era of spaces, caring about uh, nonstop Deshaun Watson <laughs> suspension watch, and hopefully we can move into the light of uh, here's what the football season looks like because that's just more fun to talk about. We, we we all just care about you know at the end of the day, can we get 18 weeks of season to escape and just enjoy a football Sunday and. Uh, that's that's what this podcast is central focus as a film breakdown podcast is that so jordan appreciate you brother very much man good insights and and listen hopefully if you agreed with us you like the show and if you didn't agree with us you listen long enough to to see some other people's perspective because again more than anything else in all of this and i think our country needs this more than ever it's just you may not agree with somebody but you can at least see where they're coming from just see where they're coming from and and respect the, the the person giving those opinions. So I hope I hope that happened from both sides today. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, man. Of course, I am. Uh, I'm ready to talk about whether or not Michael Woods can be a contributor as a rookie. You know, that's uh, that's where I'm ready to like. Let's start having those conversations. That's let's get back into those beautiful training camp conversations that we always have, where our our hope is at its highest and it's and it's through the roof. You know, I'm ready. I'm ready to get back to that. So I uh, appreciate you having me on. Appreciate the conversation. Of course, man. No, no one else to do this with, in my opinion. So we do have to. I hate to bring to bring this negativity into the close, but Jordan and I, I think the last two years, you and I have got together to say, "Hey, here's what could go wrong." Podcast before the season, and if we go back and listen to last yes. year, 
I think you and I were accurate on like 95% of what could go wrong. I think we were like entirely too spot on. And it makes me very depressed to think about how all of our predictions of what the worst case scenario might be came through. But, you know, we're Nostradamus. Like, what are we supposed to do? It's just a talent we have. So I don't, you know, it's a a, a burden we carried. I guess we should skip it this year because of all the stress we've all dealt with. We can't. We'll try to get Jordan for another night, like uh, before week one. Uh, I know that the preseason, we're lucky enough now that the preseason has like that little baked in bye week. So maybe we'll catch some of your time there to look at it, look ahead. But thanks to Jordan. Thanks for him coming on today's show. He was great and uh, taking an hour of his time to give his thoughts and input on it. Listen, um, always open to you not agreeing with me. That's fine. Um, you know, respectful conversation around this stuff. I, I welcome it. DMs are always uh, something that, that I would love to have conversations with people about this stuff. Uh, I always appreciate that. But hopefully you, like me, are just ready to move on. And like Jordan said, talk about whether Michael Woods has a real chance to make this team and be a important part of the wide receiver room, which is uh, pretty uh, pretty bare right now. So we will move on to football starting tomorrow. Hopefully you enjoyed today. Uh, we had great work from Greg, Fred Greetham on the website covering all angles of this stuff. So check that out. Uh, I know Fred put a lot of work into covering this whole saga. So uh, I, I would appreciate you guys going to the website, checking that out. But thanks for supporting this podcast. I say it every time. It means the world to me. It makes doing it every day pretty fun because of your guys' support. Again, appreciate Jordan taking an hour of his time to do this. Thanks, guys. Have a great Tuesday, and go Browns. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.